we came to the end of an era, pretty much, with film photography. And in fact, there was a while where the only photography anybody could do was black and white. Uh, and then color film photography became the ascendant thing. And now we have what's an entirely new art form with a lot of new craft involved. And the idea behind the technical parts of this book are not that I'm going to tell everybody exactly what slider to press with what software, but more that the principles and ideas of how the technical side of digital black and white photography work. Welcome to Mid-Century Books Podcast Part 2 for Harold Davis. So let me move on to the next question, which is... Um, who did you want to be the intended audience for this book? And how do you see those readers uh, using your book? Well, you know, I, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like every everybody who who bought a digital camera last, last year to buy my book and then I could be happy. But uh, as a more serious answer to your question, uh, it can be, my book can be read on a number of levels. I've certainly had people pick it up and say, hey, the photos are neat. Um, I like reading the stories about them. Maybe I'll dip in and look at the technical materials from time to time if I want for my own photography. But this is just a neat object and a neat book. Uh, because one thing I really believe in is the making of books as things in of, of themselves. And, you know, of course, I read electronic books myself on my on my devices, particularly when I'm traveling, it's convenient. But I think we lose a great deal if we don't remember how wonderful books are as objects and how what great friends they can be to us. So I want people to feel that way about my book, too, that it's a wonderful friend and companion and they don't have to read it from beginning to end. They can look at it. They can read some of the stories. I also want my book to be helpful to people who are looking to elevate their craft of digital black and white photography. Um, you know, we've, we came to the end of an era pretty much with film photography. And in fact, there was a while where the only photography anybody could do was black and white. Um, and then color film photography became the ascendant thing. And now we have what's an entirely new art form with a lot of new craft involved. And the idea behind the technical parts of this book are not that I'm going to tell everybody exactly what slider to press with what software, but more that the principles and ideas of how the technical side of digital black and white photography work uh, so that if you understand the ideas, then you can go and use the software and it shouldn't be an overwhelming thing. Here's, here's how you do it. Here's how you go about it. Here are what the controls are. I love this craft of digital black and white photography. I can do things with it that I could only imagine in the film darkroom. It's a wonderful, brave new world and people have just begun to see what they can do with it. There are some incredible photographers out there working today and some incredible work, and it's a great time to be a photographer. So uh, just bearing in mind that I'm, I'm not in this field myself, but do you feel that there's something 
about digital black and white photography that might be getting overlooked in this moment? And are you trying to correct that in some way? Well, I'm not sure. Thanks, Heather. I'm not sure I would say overlooked so much as not done yet. Just as with uh, film photography, it took probably 50 or 100 years from the first uh, from the first emulsion coated glass uh, photography making to reach the height of it. We're, you know, we're about 10 years into digital photography at this point. The technology is still getting finalized there. You know, every, every year or two, the cameras and sensors that are available are better than the ones that were there a year or two ago. That's going to stabilize at some point, but it hasn't yet. And the what you can do with it at the other end, at the software end, is just people are just beginning to really uh, fulfill what their ideas and what can be processed. I mean, part of the issue is that this is a craft that involves both technical skills with computers and also the ability to think artistically, conceptually, and visually. And sometimes these are really skills that don't always mesh that well together. I mean, I have friends who are professional photographers, essentially, who uh, have on staff or they will hire freelance Photoshop guys or gals. And that's fine, but this is a craft that to really do as, uh, as poetry requires some degree of meshing of the craft and technical skills with with the artistic vision of what can be done. And the artistic vision of what can be done is going to be more than a rehash of what was done in some of the wonderful works of film. It's going to be seeing things in new ways, perhaps going to new places too, which is where travel may come in, and creating a whole styles of imagery that have yet to be fully thought of. People who are interested in some of my approaches to this can certainly look at my website where there are a fair number of different styles of mine. I, I've come up with a few processes that are basically my invention. And I think uh, this is the tip of the iceberg. This The people who start working now and are working now in digital photography will in times to come be remembered as the people who were the pioneers of a wonderful new medium. I think that's amazing. And um, I hope you don't mind me saying so, but it, it sounds like we need someone like you more than ever because you do have this interdisciplinary background. And like you said, this is kind of an uneasy alliance of different fields coming together within the digital black and white photography. It really is the technical and the artistic coming together at the same time. I think that's, I think that's right. Uh, you know, for me, it's, you know, in many ways in my life, I've charted my own path and sometimes been a bit of a misfit, but to have something that combines my interest in photography, my background as a uh, classical painter and my skill as a computer programmer is like, who, who, who designed this world for me? Isn't this a cool thing? Who would have guessed? I never would have. I mean, par partly also in my own career, I did have a career as a film photographer. I had a studio in New York in the 1980s. I worked pretty hard at it. I was pretty successful, but I did leave uh, for 
other things. And I had about 10 years in between in which I was making my living first as a writer and second then as a computer programmer and technology executive. I came back to photography in 2004 when one of the publishers I worked with, Wiley Publishing, asked me to write a book about digital photography. They said, well, we hear this is a new up-and-coming field. I said, well, you know, I know something about photography. And I went out and bought a digital SLR and wrote the book, and I have not looked back. So that, in fact, is another way that writing and photography connect for me, because I, I would not have come back into it, probably, but for the writing. It's a, it's a funny thing, also, because in my students, I find that the ones who had a film career actually have some advantages over perhaps younger people who are just starting out and have never done photography in the old-fashioned way, because the people who were photographers with film and had the experience in the darkroom, they understand the intrinsic basics of photography. This is not stuff that needs to be taught to them, mostly. They know it uh, instinctively. And for for perhaps people who never had that experience, it's they don't necessarily get that without a lot of work. So it's, yes, it's a very interesting time and a very interesting cusp. And like the turmoil in the book publishing industry, certainly the, uh, ter- the photographic hardware industry has seen a period of intense ferment and huge change, and that change is not at an end yet. The current issue that is um, really riling up this industry is that many of the lower end point and shoot digital cameras, no people aren't buying them anymore because they say, hey, I can do that with my uh, iPhone. Why should I bother buying a separate camera? And there's a lot to that. The resolution you can get out of an iPhone camera is better than that DSLR that I picked up in 2004. So this is a pretty amazing thing. What people don't really understand about the craft of photography is that it's a craft that always involves trade-offs. What you can do with one thing, you can't do with another thing. You can take some kinds of images with an iPhone that you cannot take with a high-end professional camera. Conversely, of course, there are many kinds of images that a professional camera will take that you could not do with an iPhone. The constant through all this is that what's really important are the mind, conception, and eye of the creator, not the piece of hardware used. Incidentally, I should mention that because I do practice and love iPhone photography myself, one of the things that I included in the uh, in the uh, black and white handbook is a number of sections and images that are based around iPhone captures and how they were processed. That's so interesting. It's just such a changing field. Yes, it really is. I mean, I've been I've been very excited in the last year to find one of the uh, high-end art publishers that I worked with work with actually very interested in some of my iPhone images, which have been selling nicely in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, sort of decor art market uh, place, and that's something that never would have happened uh, maybe five years ago. I, I think it's a movement like what happened when the 35 millimeter camera was first introduced shortly after World War II in the uh, in the film world. 
the first reaction to a 35 millimeter was this is a toy camera. No one will ever use it professionally for anything. But look what happened. So there's this sort of progression that equipment that is thought of as a toy and a novelty becomes the standard over time and then it and then it the process repeats itself. So I'm just going to move on to one more question. Can you tell me who is your biggest influence visually and artistically and among your fans, like which famous photographers might they compare you to? And I'm asking this question for somebody who hasn't yet seen one of your photographs and is listening to this and wants to know more about what they can expect to see in the book. Well, I mean, I, I don't know who people compare me to really, but I will say that I, that, that I do recommend for students of mine that, that they look at uh, great painters as well as great photographers. So I'll circle back to answer your question in a little, but I would say people should look at the Impressionists, Monet, Cezanne, uh, perhaps some other kinds of painters as well. And in terms of the great classic photographers, Ed, it's hard to do better than Edward Weston, Ansel Adams, Cortege, Andre Cortege is a great eye, a great person to look at. Uh, in terms of some of the surrealistic imagery that I sometimes attempt, Man Ray is a great person to look at. What I think people should look at is when they look to my image is somebody who is educated in classical art and classical photography, the work of somebody like Ansel Adams and Edward Weston, but I take it in my own direction. I would never be interested particularly in imitating another artist, no matter how great that artist is. And in fact, with my students, I encourage people to develop their own style. I've had students who really what they want to do is cre recreate the images I've done. And I think that's fundamentally an unsatisfying thing to do. I think that people need to reach deeply into themselves, into their unconscious and their conscious and think about what's important to them and create images that are meaningful and deep and important to them and try to find things that are patterned, that are about a light and dark, both in nature and in human nature, and try to come up with something that tells a compelling story or a poem. And there we are back to photographer as poet again. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't give you a more uh, he's like so-and-so, but I think that, that, that it, it actually is really hard to reduce my work in that way or, or to categorize it. In fact, as a professional photographer making my living and supporting my family through my work as a photographer, as poet, one issue that I've seriously encountered is that I, it's, I'm not very categorizable. So that's a, uh, th that becomes a, an interesting issue. I, I almost sometimes have thought what I really should do is separate my work into four or five different people and give each one a different name. And that would make it easier to deal with art galleries who are looking for a specific style. So I could have the classical black and white Harold Davis, the multiple exposure model Harold Davis, the flower photography Harold Davis, the travel photography Harold Davis, and so on, each with a different kind of very specific identifiable look. And that, you know, that, that, that might work pretty well. 
Oddly, perhaps, one of the really big challenges with photography as an art form is coming up with distinctive styles. It's not something that happens all that much that people can say, hey, that's a Harold Davis, or hey, that's an Ansel Adams. It's also the case that uh, great photographers are typically known by a handful of signature images rather than a, a huge body of work. I mean, the work we think of as Ansel Adams probably is about uh, 12, 12 images or so that people can really remember. So which, what are those images? What are they going to be for me? I don't know yet. You know, if I start doing that and I start being a museum of myself, then I'm not a working artist as much anymore. And the fun part of all this is really being the working artist, going out there and doing it, having the adventures, finding the interesting things to photograph, finding why they matter to me, why they might matter to somebody else, figuring out how to reproduce them, how to tell their stories, doing the all the day-to-day -day stuff that's involved in doing this as a lifestyle and a profession and a living. And you know, what, where this will all fit into the canon of photography is something that one really has to leave to the future, I think. I absolutely agree with you, Harold. And you've had so many different dimensions to your photography over your entire lifelong career. But if you don't mind me saying what I relate to the most in this particular book, I feel that you're really giving us a translation of what a potential modern day Ansel Adams would do if he had access to digital black and white photography and if he could travel the world. There's something about the way that you portray nature and the landscapes of places like the Southwest of France that really connect with nature, but also with history and give us that sense of timelessness in a, in a particular place. So if, if you don't mind me saying I, what I stood out for me in this particular book, which is just one slice of your many different phases of photography is I think of you a bit as a global Ansel Adams. Thank you. Ansel Adams, uh, who I was lucky enough to meet a few times uh, early in my first photography career, the wonderful man, a very generous photographer, and most certainly one of my photographic heroes. And I think he would have loved uh, digital black and white. I think, you know, he was totally a tinkerer with gadgets. When he showed me his dark room, he has a, he had a uh, kind of unique stroboscopic enlarger back there. Um, and I, I, I can't, I, you know, uh, I'm very, very moved, Heather. That's a, I mean, oh. what, 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 what could I ask? What more could I ask for with this, this work? Thank you. Well, thank you. I think that's the perfect note to end on. And I just want to thank you for your time today. And I do uh, just recommend uh, your latest book to everyone. So thank you for your contribution there.